1: Bill's Podcast.
2: I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer Chris Krueger And we are here talking about Bill's training camp But before we get started, Chris Something happened the other day Friday? I'm getting ready to leave I'm Getting ready to leave my house And my wife goes Oh yeah, by the way, there's a box here Oh, the what's in the
1: corner, yeah
2: So this Amazon package got dropped off she brought it in and i was like well it's probably yours and she said it can't be because it says mr andrew gear care of the rockpile report now first of all chris nobody have you ever heard anyone call me mr no cuz that's usually a term of like respect
1: <laughs> it is uh, but what was it last week or two weeks ago, Nate Geary started you calling you Andrew Gear. Yes. So, Mr. Andrew Gear. Part of, of me would have thought, "Oh, that's from Nate," but then Nate doesn't like us enough to send us stuff.
2: So, we dug into the box. It came with a note. Let's see here. Da, 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 da. All right. It says it's a gift for you from Amazon. For Nate Geary Seagram's Love Lauren. Well, from Lauren. Not Love Lauren. But Chris, let's face it. People love us. Right? They do. Can you describe to the listeners what is in this package that I'm you hear
1: this crinkling? It's the bag. Uh, right. it's it's clearly a What is that, a beer bong?
2: think that that's the right terminology for what I'm holding because this thing it has some engineering to it I mean look at this this funnel is easily two beverages maybe two and a half Um, this hose is surgical grade so I'm going to put these things together here
1: are you going to shotgun a Montucky right now
2: We'll see how this podcast goes and how upset I get before the end of it. Maybe. Perhaps. So, hilariously, like, when's the last time you shotgunned a beer, Chris? I want you to think back about this, because when I saw it, I immediately had this thought.
1: I can tell you right now, the answer is never. You've never shotgunned a beer? No.
2: Really? You've never franked the tanked? No. Ah, oh, Chris, you're missing out. You might be doing one before the show's over.
1: Well, I got to go to work later, so that's a no.
2: Yeah, what did they care? It's one of those things. I think the last time, it was definitely at a Bills game. There's a photo of it on Facebook. I was probably about 23 years old. And it was a Bills helmet. Like the funnel was built into the top of the novelty helmet. And the beer kind of flows down into your mouth using a valve. Now, here's a question, Chris. Do you think that at 37 years old, 38 years old, either one of us can successfully funnel without looking like an idiot? No, I wouldn't even try. (laughs) It just seems like folly, doesn't it? It does. I don't even think kids do that at tailgating anymore. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it in our lot anytime recently?
1: No. I can't think of a time where I've seen a funnel anywhere near our tailgate. No. Because our tailgates are generally classy.
2: Well, let's Mark Smith bring buckets of KFC and Schmidt beer. I don't know that you can call it classy.
1: But. What are you talking about? Schmidt beer has a goose on the case. It has a goose on the
2: case or some, in some cases a moose. And on the other side of the box, it's a salmon. Like, the cans have a salmon swimming through the river. What's more majestic than that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll be, as seen by your display there, we're going to have boxes of stuff that have stallions on them.
2: I know. It. It. it I, I'm genuinely interested. When is the last time you guys, as football enthusiasts, and because you listen to our show, I'm assuming you like to have a few cocktails now and again. When's the last time you funneled a beer? And how did it go? <laughs> At Rockpal Report on Twitter, RockPowerReport716 at gmail.com. I'm d- I'm genuinely interested in when the last time. And I'm gonna reach out to Nate and be like, Nate, when's the last time that y- you did this? Because if you lose the Seagrams bet, yeah, it might be it might be time. So Bill's Camp Week three and the official release of the preseason depth chart. If there's a topic that we start with, it's probably going to be the fact that, <clears throat> that we have yet another injury scare at safety. Last week's podcast was barely out of the can when word broke that Micah Hyde, uh, just Micah Hyde, who had just like. lawyer. No, no. But hang was on. It? So Micah Hyde had just had like a, a near injury experience.
1: Oh, yeah. With his elbow.
2: And he dodged a bullet. Everyone goes, oh, his hip is bad. And then he'd hit the gritty and was dancing on the sideline. And then two days later, he was back in practice. He had just dodged a bullet when all-pro safety Jordan Poyer went down with an injury and had to literally be helped off the field. Human sacrifice,
3: dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.
2: It's about, that's close, right? That's about it. Hysteria, because everyone's going, what the hell, the two most durable players on our football team can't both get hurt in the same preseason, can they? These guys, when you look at it, right, you go back and you look at the durability of Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer, according to Pro Football Reference, he's been a member of the Buffalo Bills since 2017. In that span, he's missed one game. Actually, no, see, he was, he's been active for, he's played in every game he's been active for 15, 16, 16, 16, and 16, which means last year they must have sat him for a game because it was 17 game season. So he must have just been sitting the final week of the season. But either way, it's crazy that he, that's Jerry Hughes level durability. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Okay. Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde, since joining the Buffalo Bills. 2017, 16 games, 15 games, 16, 15, and 17. So he's missed two during his entire tenure. That's three games missed for two of the most important players in the entire roster. The fact that both of them somehow got hurt in like a, what is it, a week span? Obviously, that's got some, it's got my panties in a bunch. Everybody's, and especially Poyer's, because it, it's a hyper extension of the elbow. This isn't just a stinger. This isn't just something. So you, Chris, did what smart producers do, and you reached out to somebody smarter than me to get answers on this.
3: Jordan Poyer left practice holding his left elbow after participating in 11-11 drills. After engaging James Cook, there was a video available, but reports indicate that there was a big pile up in the middle. Poyer's arm got caught in the middle, suffering a hyperextension of his elbow. What likely happened was Poyer reached out, Cook potentially went one way, Poyer's arm and body went another way. If he got bumped by an offensive defensive lineman, his elbow got hyperextended as a result of that. So what a hyperextension is, is the arm goes in the terminal extension where the olecranon or bump of the elbow goes into the olecranon fossa, which is part of the distal part of the humerus. That is a bony end feel, which means it doesn't go any farther than it needs to. In this case, it got stretched out past that, caused a hyperextension. So there was some minor ligament damage, but nothing that would require surgery. Fortunately, there wasn't a fracture or any other tearing of triceps. This injury is expected to keep him out for the next several weeks in training camp. There is. Little no chance that he misses time for week one. There's a small possibility he wears a brace if he feels comfortable with it, but he should not have this injury lingering for the season or have to wear the brace for a long duration of time.
1: There's Kyle time. Trimble saying a bunch of science words that uh, are too big for me. Definitely too big for you.
2: That's what, But this is one of the beautiful things about our show. I mean, you think about it. We have experts we can turn to for almost anything. I mean, if you're if you just want to drink beer, make fun of some people, have a couple cheap laughs, maybe vent about a sporting event, I'm your guy. If you want nuanced discussion, maybe I'm your guy. But I'll, we know enough smart people that we can turn to for things like this. It's, it's the phenomenal resources to have. So first of all, it's I'm relieved to hear that he's not going to be out into the season, right? That That's probably the most important part of all of this. Yeah. With that said, I think it further underscores that the preseason football is no one's favorite time of year. Mostly due to this dynamic right here. We're in a nonsense practice. That means absolutely nothing to our 2022 wins and losses. We potentially lose a starting, not just a starting player, but a player who's part of the backbone of our defense For a team like Buffalo, you you keep part of the reason that we've been listed as Super Bowl favorites is because we apparently have this world-class depth. What exactly is the value? We already know who Micah Hyde and Jordan Poirier are. They've already gotten their conditioning reps in. They can go ride a bike. They can go cut, and they can go run around and do things. They've already gotten their ears wet a little bit. What is the value of continuing to trot them out there? For either of them, for the remainder of the preseason, do does that? Would 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 you agree with me that maybe the case can be made? These two guys need to be
1: put on ice, go cool their heels a little bit. I wouldn't um, use any of our starters in any preseason game.
2: No, I, th- there's how often
1: of- is Alabama playing? You know the SEC kickoff against uh, a top twenty team, but they got no preseason games. College players can go right into the season and play against top level competition. Why can't the uh, pros not compete in the preseason and then just come out week one balling? That that's a really good
2: question. I I don't understand it. Like the the, the dynamic you just underscored right there. Like for me, that I'm saying. Just based on this, that the Buffalo Bills need to spend their, I would say, their entire preseason taking a long, hard look at Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin. And not just because I'm scared of injury, but also because I think that it's good for both of those players. It's good, it's good for everybody. Everybody wins in this scenario. If you bench them for the entirety of the preseason, first of all, you allow Jordan Poyer to get back healthy and you're not rushing him back out there, which they probably won't do anyway. Micah Hyde has nothing to prove. The brand of football he plays, if he focuses on his conditioning and just does the one on one stuff, 11 on 11 drills. I don't need to see him out there. I don't. I know what he is. I know what, unless they're trying to work on the communication between him and the cornerbacks in front of him. That's the only thing I can think. Right, Chris? Because when you're playing the type of zone defense the Bills do, Especially when you've got two, when you don't have Trey White on the field, or at least you probably expect that you won't. The only reason I think you would have either one of those guys out there is with the knowledge that one of the, like, these guys are going to have to work in tandem with these cornerbacks who are neither one of them proven to be starter material. And so in that way, they have to learn each other's body language, each other's tells. They have to learn how to pass a receiver off to the next guy. They have to learn, hey, when this guy gets in this scenario, he cuts this way. If the guy goes the other way, I have to know that he can't recover. They need to build that familiarity. That is the only reason that I think that you would be playing either one of our safeties is for just building that early season continuity. But I still have to think that that can be done in other ways. They don't need to be in full contact 11 and 11 drills. I don't think that they need to be playing in these preseason games. I don't think there's much to be gained from it, at least not for these guys. And then when you look at Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin, they probably stand to benefit the most. I think these injuries kind of open your eyes to the fact that we've been very lucky. If something bad happens week 1 against the Rams and we lose one of these guys for an extended period of time, one of these young kids is going to get st- going to get stuck into the fire. Would you rather go into that type of scenario knowing that everyone has a lot of game experience going up against live opponents who are really trying to score on you more so I mean I don't think Josh Allen would take it easy on these guys, but there are th- teams that are game planning even just a little bit. To try to score points against you. I think that, first of all, for Jaquan Johnson, he was a 2019 draft pick. As far as I know, those guys all get three or four year deals. So 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, Jaquan Johnson, this is probably his like shot, right? Yeah. The end of a contract year, career backup. Go out there and make a case for yourself that, hey, the team kind of should probably start kicking the tires on what it has in him, other than a special teamer. Yeah, he needs the reps. He could use them. Damar Hamlin didn't look lost when he was put on the field, right? I, I, I look, I take a look at this, uh, Damar Hamlin, okay? But, 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 advanced defense. He was targeted three times in games last season, no completions allowed. Statistically, he holds up in coverage very well. Uh, His coverage metrics on the whole are very good, even though he didn't get a ton of, he didn't get a ton of run at them. I mean, last, last year he was playing in like garbage time. I remember the, the Houston game. (laughs) Uh, when we were at Miami, usually in blowouts, right? So maybe that protects his statistics a little bit. But you need to know whether or not that's window dressing or if he truly is that talented, because if he is, you're playing this game at strong safety with Jordan Poyer, where right now there's no long-term contract worked out. If the agreement ends up being, hey, Jordan, we love you, but we just can't afford to pay you. Or not, or we don't think we want to. Chris, we talk about how shrewd Brandon
1: Bean is. Contractual gangster.
2: So if that's the case, wouldn't he want to see DeMar Hamlin on the field? Just in the off chance that, hey, maybe these aren't just statistical aberrations. Maybe this kid is very good. And with a little more seasoning, we wouldn't be completely up shit's creek by putting him in at strong safety. And by the way, in doing so, we could probably save ourselves $9 million a year. Going into Josh Allen's first year of his contract extension, that $9 million in cap space could be invaluable. So, there is zero reason Micah Hyde or Jordan Porter should see the field at all during this preseason process. I'd take them off now as camp is winding down. And I would let Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin get the lion's share of the reps. Because they have something to pr- not only something to gain individually, but something to prove... And if they do improve with those added reps, all you've done is made your 2022 roster stronger. Because you already know what you have at the top. I think it would be folly in order to not to not do that. Also coming out of this week, defensive line has been dominating. I, Mike Garofalo from NFL Network, CBS Sports Pete Prisco, they both echoed the same sentiments about the Bills' defensive line, pointing out that, while well, Greg Rousseau has been flashing. It's Ed Oliver. It's Von Miller. Everybody on this D-line looks as good as advertised and that they've been dominant. That's led to a lot of hot takery amongst our fans, amongst some of my fellow content creators, which, I mean... Chris, we say some wild things. We do. Like, But at the same time, when you're like, oh, man, this is the year. Greg Rousseau is going to be a problem. How do you know that? We don't. You don't. AJ Epinesa has looked good in the preseason before. I have a hard time reconciling with this line of thought, partly because I'm a drunken pessimist who's just been... You call me out on it all the time. That I'm... (laughs) That I am like a kicked dog. Or like the dog that gets hit with a broom too many times, and now when I see it, I just immediately assume something bad's coming. I, I've also seen this crew that they've been on the offensive line that they've been looking so impressive against. At left tackle, Deion Dawkins came back relatively early in camp, but Tommy Doyle was a part of that crew. At offensive guard, we've seen Bobby Hart, Greg Van Rotten, Cody Ford, Greg Manns, Tommy Doyle playing guard (laughs) for the first time in his career. Mitch Morris is out there. And at right tackle, it's been Dave Questenberry and Luke Tenuta, a seventh-round rookie draft pick. It's not exactly a who's-who of offensive linemen that you would expect to see on the field any given Sunday, right? No. No. God, no. And sure as hell, not a group of people... You would want to see starting for this football team. I feel like these are the dangers of preseason hype, because Dave Dave was a star, he was a starter last year at tackle, or at least he took a number of snaps for the Tennessee Titans. But he's like the the fact that they let him walk. I I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's average. Maybe he's Ty Insacky. Well, our toughest opponents are going to have better than Ty Insecki or better than Cody Ford in his rookie year at right tackle. They're going to have better than average probably. Besides Miami, who else do you you know of on our schedule who has notoriously bad tackle play?
1: Oh, you're asking the wrong guy. Why do you think (laughs) I would know that?
2: I just sometimes like asking you things to see that look, that raised eyebrow. It's like you're the rock. Except you're like a whiter version of The Rock. Except better,
1: more <laughs> handsome.
2: More handsome! <laughs> more hair, at least. Oh, yeah. So, it's going to be interesting to see if this dynamic remains true as our offensive line gets healthier. Bates is back. Brown seems to be getting close. And Saffold just got cleared from the NFI list, so that means he's they're, they're going to start working him back into the thick of things here. <sighs> I'm just looking at this saying to myself, we all need to take a deep breath as it relates to this front seven. Obviously, we know the money, the resources that were put in there, and there's every reason to believe they will be good. I mean, look, how many other teams can say that a former 12-sack player is their second-string 3 tech defensive tackle? Who else has one of the better two-gapping defensive linemen in football? Who's playing ahead of a young up-and-comer? Uh, up Tim Saddle, who, I don't know, depending on where he went in the NFL, he probably could have been a starter. He played for the Washington football team behind three first-round draft picks. So we've got a group of young developmental edge players that all seem like they have a little bit of promise. Our backups... Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle. They they could have been starters before. Shaq Lawson is part of this edge group. He's been a starter for two different teams. The Bills tried to sign him as a, as a starter before. These edge players are chomping at the bit to go hit people for real. And they're going to be a tough test out of the shoot for that poor Colts backup offensive line. And the Colts are one of those teams that Last year, I think they were fielding what they thought was one of the strongest offensive lines in football. And now you go back and you look at it and you say, okay, they obviously had their protection issues. They had problems. Now you go back this year, uh, Braden Smith. Who the hell is that? Uh That's their right tackle. Never heard of him. Danny Pinter. Pinter? That's the thing people smoked on the Indian reservation. Pinter. Uh, Ryan Kelly at center Quentin Nelson And Matt Pryor Matt Pryor at left tackle
1: Don't know who that is
2: No, and he's a 27 year old So it's not like he's a Like a newbie A recently drafted rookie If he was good we would have heard his name before So imagine Who their backups are (laughs) ha ha it this is a perfect opportunity for the bills to get off to a hot start and show that all this hype isn't just window dressing and that they actually are capable of going up against other teams and really just smothering them i don't expect the colts are going to play uh, uh uh taylor the running back yeah i don't think that if they play him they're not going to play him much considering he might be one of the few things they actually have going for them this year yeah, a series, tops. I think that there exists a universe, if all of this hype that they've been getting by the national media and by our local media is correct, or at least trending towards being accurate. <laughs> I don't even want to call, I want to say if it's close to the truth, then there's no way we don't go out there and just manhandle these guys in every facet of the off uh, their, their offensive execution. They traded for a quarterback. Nick Foles is going to be their backup. They have a rookie starting wide receiver. Their remaining guys, Michael Pittman's pretty good. Paris Campbell's okay. Everyone else is a collection of I've never heard of yous before. Hello, I've never heard of you. It's just hilarious to me. This is a game where if this defensive line is as good, like cause I'm not going to listen any more of these camp reports about it. If they are as good as advertised when this weekend rolls around, they should manhandle the Colts because our depth could potentially be starting somewhere for a bad team
1: in the NFL. True statement.
2: I have to eat crow and I don't do that often on this podcast.
1: Can't wait to hear what this is about. The kick return,
2: punt return conversation. So we got pretty, pretty bombed talking to Nate Geary. (laughs) The damn blue note. I was singing the blue note. And it really kind of derailed right around the part of the podcast where we were talking about the kick returner competition and how that was going to impact
0: the depth chart. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Last week, Ryan Lasel joined us for this show. And we talked about it and he said, I talked about how it's getting no run in the press. Other than like, hey, some guys made some mistakes due to hang time. And he said, well, the best way to know that they're not happy with what they're getting, because I think we all, who did you think was going to be headlining those roles coming into training camp?
1: Bass, Ariza, and I don't even know what we're going to do with punt returner slash kick returner. Well, that's
2: it. So, so, so when you look at this and you say, okay, out of those names that you see on the, t- on the screen in front of you, since you have the roster up, Who did you think, just for you personally, probably hit the inside track at being the starting punt and kick returner?
1: I would have gone with Isaiah. I'm kind of surprised to see Duke Johnson listed, and especially James Cook, as returners.
2: And so here I laughed at Ryan Lacell last week because he said, hey, the way you'll know if they're not happy with the guys in front of them is that all of a sudden James Cook is going to start getting reps at Returner. And sure enough, within a day or two of that podcast airing, James Cook was back there returning punts and kicks. That's a big deal. We've talked in the past about roster construction and how this job directly, like, relates to how McDermott has built his rosters historically. Well, I don't think we have as many edge players who need to be kept. Last year, we had F.A. Obato. We had a bunch of guys. They tried to platoon things. So we kept nine defensive linemen. I don't know that that happens or I think 10 defensive linemen. I believe it was 10. Yeah, 10 was the number. I don't think we see that again. So maybe you do have an extra body to play with here. But realistically, if they do decide that a running back makes sense in terms of a returner, then I don't know, do they maybe keep it to a six? If they say, hey, one of our three running backs can also do this and also moonlight as our third down back, we don't have to keep seven wide receivers. We can still just keep the three running backs. And then keep six wide receivers and keep another linebacker or another edge player or a backup defensive tackle like Eli Anku, who you can't teach big. And he's just a big, I I mean, Tim Settle's obviously a good player. Anku might be the one who, because I I remember the Bills brought him in when Starla got hurt last year. So if they think highly enough of Eli Anku as like, hey, you could be our backup one tack in a pinch then maybe they end up keeping him. And that's how they do it. They say, listen, we don't want a seventh wide receiver. Or maybe it gives them options to do so based on the fact that they have a rookie that they have to keep. Because Khalil Shakir was highly sought after, apparently, coming into that draft. So if they put him out there on a practice squad, someone will make him an offer and try to steal him away from you. And at that point, if you're only making that, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, practice squad money, why wouldn't you leave? Yeah. So they're going to have to protect him one way or another. I. So I first of all, I have to apologize to Ryan for laughing at what I thought was a really stupid idea. I also have to say this. I came into camp ready and willing to write Tavon Austin off as a viable option for this football team in any capacity. I figured he's there as a camp body. This is it. This is the veteran. Hey... We just need a dude who can work with the backups. He's now headlining on this preseason depth chart as the starting punt returner, with Khalil Shakir second and Duke Johnson third. And Isaiah McKenzie is headlining the kick return job, with Duke Johnson as the backup. I'm just I'm 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 very surprised to see Tavon Austin. He's proven. he has no offensive utility true I mean look at this pro football reference Tavon Austin let's just just for shits okay so one two three he's played on three teams over the course of the last three seasons um During that span, he has, let's see, he's averaged 10 games with one start, 22 targets, 14 receptions, and 136 yards, and a fraction of a touchdown. That doesn't scream to me a player who can give you anything on game day outside of this one very specific role. And if there's anything we know Sean McDermott prioritizes in a lot of its players, it's versatility. So I'm just surprised to see that they would, out of the gate, say, hey, we're going into the preseason. Is this maybe a ploy just to take some of the pressure off Khalil Shakir? Could be. As the understudy at punt returner. Like, hey, early on, we're going to let, when they have their starting special teamers out, we're going to put Austin out there because I know he's not going to make mistakes. But in the second half of games, when we know that they're bringing in their backups and their backup special teamers, we're going to let... Khalil go out there and see what he can do and see if he can earn that job. I, that makes sense to me, I guess. I'm just very much surprised and I guess a little bit apologetic that I, I didn't think this highly of Tavon Austin.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, don't forget the bet with Nate. That's going to be... if That happens.
2: Tavon Austin on the 53?
1: God, that would... I, We might have to have an actual doctor over <laughs> for you eating a Arby's roast beef soaked in Seagram's.
2: That's how disrespectful of this entire fucking idea I've been, is that I was willing to make an absurd bet like that, because I thought there was no way in hell that he would come anywhere near this roster. Here we are, Chris. Here we are. So... Before we get out of here, the thing I want to close with is this preseason depth chart that they released. Obviously, we're surprised about Austin as punt returner one and Shakir as punt returner two. McKenzie is the kick returner one with Duke Johnson. Like, Duke Johnson? I haven't heard his name. He hasn't really been talked about at all
1: this preseason. No, he hasn't. I really haven't heard his name from any, anyone in the media. Anyone in the media who's at these practices, they've had, I mean, even if they were trying
2: to be different and just put something, hey, I'm going to write something else. No, I'm going to pay attention to something no one else is paying attention to, and I'm going to watch Duke Johnson's reps. Nothing. Right? That's usually not good. Right? Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Unless you're a long snapper.
2: True. Or an offensive lineman, in yeah. which case it means you're just doing your job. but I just, I see Duke Johnson's name being included here. And that makes me a little concerned. I guess I know I said before training camp that I didn't give a shit what happened with the running back competition. And I still don't. I just, I find it interesting that they're still affording him some role on the depth chart to get his, get himself out there to showcase the fact that he has value. Some other things. I mean, Chris, you're looking at this for probably the first time. Is there anything that you see or that you notice when you look at it strikes you as interesting?
1: Um, not. Uh, I, I'm like doing a, you know, like one of those things where you see news. Across the um, the ticker, the ticker, and you're like, hold on, I got to make sure that this is verified account <laughs> before I do anything. I'm like just double checking, and I don't. Okay, I never mind. I see it at the top. I was like, where is Gabe Davis? Okay, um, I did not notice it at the top.
2: A little worried that they took Nate Geary's advice and put Isaiah Hodgins over him. Yes, <laughs> I love how mad he got that we dug that up. Yeah, what did you think we wouldn't? We're the Pettiest Bills podcast, damn it. Who do you think we are? So...
1: I don't know. Wouldn't you have Shakir ahead of Crowder? Hadn't Crowder been injured? Throughout? Crowder
2: has been injured. And this is where this gets interesting, right? I'm happy you hit on this. For fans who were watching training camp going, Oh my God, Khalil Shakir is going to be this great player for us. It's interesting to note that he's the second string punt returner. The third string kicker, so obviously they like what they're seeing from his, his. The fact that he's even being talked about in those roles, and yet when push comes to shove, Sean McDermott once again defers to the veterans and says, "Look, and some of the I just go maybe I'm just jaded because of the whole Ramon Humber Matt Milano fiasco, where we all knew that he was the better player." And yet it took, I think the Raiders game was finally when they let him on the field full time and let him take the job. What, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, a bunch of pass breakups? The fact that he's down there signals to me that for anybody who's pounding the table saying, Khalil Shakir's going to be a a dominating player or at least a game-changing player for the Bills in 2022. Say it with me now, Chris. (gasps) Goosefraba. Sean McDermott has proven time and time again that if he doesn't have to, he's not going to stick a rookie in a com- potentially compromising role or a role that they might not be ready for. He's going to make them earn it. This depth chart shows me exactly that. That a guy who just came off the couch a couple weeks ago, a week ago, he hasn't been part of a, like team portions of practice. Crowder's just been kind of getting back with quote unquote soreness. General, what is it? General soreness? I think Bruce Nolan made a joke this week about general soreness. Now it's like, God, it's it's an how I met your mother thing, but it's funny. But also, a guy who hasn't really put any time in with the ones, with Josh Allen, with Case Keenum, he still trusts that guy because he's seen him do it on Sundays more than Khalil Shakir. That's what this says to me. Is that a fair assessment of what I'm seeing? Fair. Okay. How about this for a fair assessment? Scroll up just a little bit. Touch more. Buffalo, your backup offensive lineman. A oh, woof. Jesus Christ, Greg Manns, Cody Ford, Ike Bacher's still not healthy enough to play. He's on the ro- he's on the roster listed as a second stringer, and he's not healthy enough to
1: play. Yeah, he still got, what, a torn Achilles? He tore his Achilles towards what? uh, The end of the season.
2: It was late in the season. I know that. It was later. That's when Bates came in and set the
3: world on fire. Might have been
1: the Atlanta game. I know he tore. It might have been the Atlanta game when he tore it. Let's see.
2: Oh, no. Week 16 against the Patriots. Close. So he's going to be out for a while. And yet... He's listed as a second stringer, <laughs> ahead of guys who are out there on the field. That doesn't scream confidence in your backups, does it? No, no. Greg Mann's probably not a ter- he, he can. He's like uh, I look at him like one of those. Uh, who's the guy? Spencer Long that we signed way back one in twenty nineteen. He can play guard, he can play center, he can't do either one of them very well. Just ask anybody, any Miami Dolphins fan. Um, right now Spencer Brown's listed as a second stringer just because he hasn't taken any reps with the team. Questionberry starter, he's spot started, he's done things, he's been a starter in his career, so it's not like he's a slouch, but he's not ideal for a Super Bowl team. Beyond that, Tommy Doyle Sophomore and everybody else can kick fucking rocks Jordan Simmons Bobby Hart You tell me Bobby Hart's gonna see snaps in 2022 for the Buffalo Bills. I'll flip this fucking table (laughs) I will lose it This is where we are (laughs) If there's a glaring weakness of this roster I think I've seen it now just looking at this chart and it's this group There is no depth our offensive line which just sucks doesn't it knowing that it, what a yeah what you a,
1: hate to see it
2: what a quote-unquote thorn in the heel it was last year fucking John Feliciano I just I look at this depth chart I look at the bodies manning the second and third lines and I just I feel bad almost for Case Keenum it's absolutely Matt Barkley by the time Matt Barkley gets into this preseason game this weekend, he's going to have J- Jacob Capra, Tanner Owen, Bobby Hart, Greg Van Rotten, and Luke Tenuta in front of him. That sounds like a recipe to get hurt, doesn't it? It does. I-, I just feel like nothing good can come from that. And also, I look at this depth chart and I say to myself, there's one last takeaway I want to leave you with. Because it's not all negative. It's not all just me being over here just a sourpuss with a beer in my hand. Our slot-wide receiver depth is crazy. McKenzie is listed as slot-wide receiver one. He was a backup entering the season and then, given Crowder's injuries, really applied himself. Kind of just built chemistry very quickly with Josh Allen. Was making plays in every single practice, flashing, just being explosive, showing you all the things that he showed you in that one game against New England. Now, the hard part about that is that as a starter, quote unquote, Chris, you've said this before about him. You want to see him do it a couple times, right? Like you want to see it, you want to see him do it a bunch, correct? Before you're willing to believe in it. It's funny because I looked up some statistics and in our episode that's going to air in a week or two, you and I are going to make some bets. And I've got some interesting data on Isaiah McKenzie and that whole dynamic and what quote unquote proving it is going to mean to you. I can't wait to have that conversation. But you look at him, he's your one. Jameson Crowder is your number two. You signed him with the anticipation of being the number one. So the fact that you've got two guys you're comfortable calling your starting slot wide receiver who you know at least have the ability to do something in an NFL level. It's encouraging. I mean, he's your security blanket in case the McKenzie Project comes off the rails. Khalil Shakir listed his slot wide receiver three. He showed explosive upside early in camp, and then cooled off a little bit when the pads came on, kind of like we, we expected. He gives the Bills a really fantastic Swiss Army knife with his catchability and just pure speed that's going to let them get creative during the preseason, even when the starters come off the field, and even if they're not doing a ton of game planning. So the offense will still have some dynamic abilities just based on his presence because of who he is physically. And then Tavon Austin, limited offensive upside, solid special teams option, I guess, is what they believe he is. He's your fourth, and at least he's seen NFL action before. Now, for anybody who laughed When I said that their depth was insane, first of all, fuck you. (laughs) It's my back. Second of all, consider that there are at least six or seven teams out there, maybe even closer to 10 across the NFL, who would kill to be in our position right now. I went to ourlads.com and looked at the depth chart by position across the entire NFL What I found, and I urge you to go do it, just so that you can get a better appreciation of how this wide receiver core has been built. The whole AFC South is hurting for proven slot wide receiver talent. There are two teams that are starting rookies, both in the slot and on the outside, or or players who have less than 700 receiving yards as a boundary receiver. Baltimore's number one and number two slot receivers Combined for 18 total receptions in 2021. They have no starting experience, yet they're at the top of the depth chart. Tell me they wouldn't kill for a Jamison Crowder right now. Anyone would. The Browns, who came into the season thinking that they had things boxed up, just today lost Jakeem Grant to an Achilles tear. So now their slot receiver depth is nothing. They don't even have any, it's all gone. The Buffalo Bills have done a really good job. Cole Beasley played an important role for this football team, and he played a huge role in Josh Allen's development, which was give him an option in the slot that he can trust to get open, trust to catch the ball, trust to make plays when he needs them. Now, obviously, Allen's become a much better quarterback since since he got here with Cole Beasley in 2019, and they grew together for a couple seasons. But now he's eclipsed that and he should, now he's reached a point where he's showing that he's able, he's able to elevate the play of other players around him. I mean, think about that touchdown against the Tennessee Titans during the, not the most recent Monday Night Football loss. Was it a Thursday Night Football game or was that also Monday Night Football? When the Titans, the COVID week, the weird game, we were losing, and Josh Allen just points to the back of the end zone and through traffic and over a guy, just rifles a touchdown to, I think it was Tywan Jones. Could be. I'm trying to think of who that running back was, but the guy didn't even move. He didn't have to. He just stood there. You, Chris, could have made that touchdown catch. You didn't have to do anything. You just had to let it hit you in the body, wrap it up in your arms. Don't I could.
1: I've caught passes from Mario Granada. Yeah. Similar speed. Do you remember that? It bruised your forearm. Yeah, I had a whole (laughs) bruise up and down my forearm trying to catch his fastballs.
2: So there are it seems like the team really did go into the season going, listen, we've lost his security blanket, but we have options and we're going to go whole hog at trying to rebuild this because we've seen how important it is for Josh to have this. And also to have a proven option somewhere in this mix and just kind of figured, hey, it'll come to the surface at some point. I don't I mean, I think we're lucky to have what is the deepest wide receiver core in terms of top end talent and also slot depth. I mean, I, I know I complain about the lack of a you know an X receiver or no, no, it's the Z receiver, the, the off the line that we're missing. And I, but maybe Gabe Davis is that guy, and this is his time. He's put in the work. Now he understands how to do it well. And these guys can flourish underneath. They've certainly thrown enough bodies at it. So I just I feel really good ahead of this preseason that even if one of these units sustains, you know, obviously there's some players who you just can't lose because of the. If you lose a Stephon Diggs, your team is worse, right? Yes. It's like saying if you lose Tom Brady, the Patriots aren't as good as they. Although they still won fucking 11 games that year. But if you lose Stefan Diggs, if you lose a Gabe Davis, you say, okay, that hurts. And I don't know how you replace that. I don't know that any team could just on the fly replace that. But if you lose a slot option, you have so many behind them that at least you know you have that going for you. You might have to change your approach a little bit. I think Jameson Crowder gives you a little bit more in the yards after the catch, or at least proven yak production. Shakir's a wild card just with raw speed, but he's your burner. McKenzie is a gadgety player who, if he can ever, if this newfound route running of his is real, this is the most dangerous group in the AFC out of the slot. I'd put them up against any roster the AFC has. I can't wait to finally get to see it in real live action this week. It's Colts, it's Bills. And no, for those of you who have been tweeting at us, we will not be there. Because preseason football,
1: that's just, what is that? That's like... Hard to watch. It's only hard to watch. But you don't want to spend the time to go to the stadium to watch backups.
2: It's like the girl who holds your hand but won't let you kiss her. Like, this is nice, but what are we doing here? (laughs) This is nice, but what am I doing here? I can't wait for it. I'm. I, I think aren't we kind of tired of like training camp already? Have we fatigued on this?
1: Almost. We haven't even played a preseason game yet.
2: God, I, can't, I can't wait. So we're gonna get out of here. Make sure you tune into our next podcast as we kind of run down winners and losers around the NFC, NFL,
1: AFC East, and the Buffalo Bills. But for tonight, I gotta get out of here. Well, how about this? It's happening on Friday. Oh, yeah. Because I'm assuming this is going to be out before that. Also, well, will be out tonight. All right. O'Neal Stadium Inn.
2: It's, it's the podcast so nice we had to do it twice. Mr. John Fina, former Bills left tackle John Fina, host of the Off Tackle podcast, and Joe Miller host of the overreaction show and the producer of the off tackle podcast are going to sit down with me at O'Neill Stadium Inn on Friday after 6 p.m. We're going to do a live podcast in front of the entire bar. We're going to drink some beer. We're going to eat some wings. We're going to hang out for the night. And uh, we're going to talk about training camp ending. We're going to talk about the start of the preseason. It's always nice when you can get an NFL veteran's point of view on that stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Last time he showed up and immediately... I knew that I, I saw the smile on your face. I'll never forget this. He sat down, and one of the first things he said into the microphone was, "I've got a lot of problems with some of the things you've said," and you had the biggest shit-eating grin on your face, just knowing that a former football player is going to take me to task over my just, just abject stupidity. Mm-hmm. Does it get much better than that for you?
1: No, I'm <laughs> sad that I'll I'm not going to be there, so. I'll be sad to, uh, to miss this and watch you and FINA.
2: That again, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, O'Neill Stadium In Me, Joe Miller, John FINA, be there or be square. I'm Drew Gear. that's Chris Krueger, and this has been your Rockpile Report.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?